Welcome to Infinite Trek, where we cover everything Star Trek. From animated to live action, comics to novels, from games to real life tech. If it's Star Trek, or even Star Trek adjacent, it's here. So get ready to talk about Trek no matter what your knowledge level is. Whether you've been watching since the 1960s or just discovered Star Trek 47 minutes ago, we, we welcome, welcome you. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> wow, this you are, your outfit is amazing. I'm sorry. I just have to, <laughs> For those of you who are not on the video, Brandy is dressed as Tilly. Yep. And looking fantastic. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's uh, she's she's my favorite character on Discovery and she and I have a lot in common. So I felt it was only appropriate. Yeah. And I am wearing what is the alternate universe version of the Picard uniform? Uh, I have my the badge that I had designed for Trek movie when we only had like a super blurry screenshot. And we're like, okay, well, they're not going to use the same one that they did in the parallel universe in TNG. So it's going to have to be kind of like that, but different. Yeah, well, we were off a little bit. Although it does okay. sort of, um, you know, foreshadow the the oval shape of Discovery. So. It does indeed. Yeah. So oh, now it's all... Now it's even more upside down or more uh, <laughs> parallel universe. Uh, I was going to do my trill spots, but um, I stored the makeup in a place that was too warm. And I sent you the screenshot, which I'm not going to share. It was it was rather Ooh, frightening. It was not good. It was not good. No. no. Mm -mm. So I figured if I am a trill, I'm actually a trill undercover as a human. There you go. That's that's exactly what you should be. You are going incognito on a planet that doesn't know about other species yet. So, mm -hmm. of course, you got to have those spots Earth. covered over. <laughs> yeah, Earth, exactly. <laughs> now, Earth, right now. <laughs> oh, I, I just I really because we lived in because I live in Los Angeles. I had just moved here when Voyager did their time travel episode. So mm. for me, it was just so fun to see like all these places I had just been on tv in, in star trek so that was uh that was pretty cool very nice so I, I love them walking it's like you know we could have worn our starfleet uniforms i doubt if anyone would have noticed <laughs> <laughs> really true. <laughs> so true we had uh i think it was like two years ago now uh, an improv show called brimstone which was a combination of of uh horror and western mm. and so i was dressed up i was doing just graphics and stuff like that but i dressed up just to you know Kind of feel like I was part of it and uh, had my cowboy boots and belt and jeans and hat and everything. And we went to go to Starbucks to get food. And I realized I'm like, oh, wait, I don't look, you know, <laughs> like I should be wandering around. It wasn't Halloween. This was like in September. Uh, mm -hmm. No one even blinked. Mm -mm. So we had somebody else dressed as like in a prairie dress or something. And it's just like we just look like really slightly eccentric, uh, you know, um, what you call it? Uh, the word is gone. Um, hipsters. <laughs> hipsters, right. Yeah. So, Well, we are today going to talk about episodes of Star Trek that scared us. Mm -hmm. And because it's Halloween uh, and hopefully if things go right, you'll actually hear this on Halloween uh, as well as see it. Yes. Uh, and there, there are, you know, Star Trek is sort of it has a history of putting things out for Halloween. In the mm -hmm. original series and the animated series, there were two episodes that both came right before Halloween. Uh, one was Cat's Paw, 
And the other was the Magics of Megas 2, where they visit the devil. <laughs> Fun! Yeah. <laughs> Originally, which is supposed to be God, which is basically Star Trek V. And they're like, right. no, 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 we can't do that. The, the censors won't allow that. Just make it the devil. Okay. So Somehow that's more acceptable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> and they, they had very few people like refuse to run it or complain about it. You know, it was in the, in the South. Um, but uh, I know shocking. Yes. 1960s, Southern America. Yeah. 1970s. No sorry. <laughs> Not, I any actually, I any decade in the South. Really true. I don't know about the, the cat of cat's paw what their what the response was i know that for the original series there were a lot more just like no we're not running this of anything it, it things that wouldn't even like why are you what is that or, you know britain for certain things if they're if it was too scary or too graphic but a lot of people in britain didn't see original series episodes until the 80s yeah so. the whole the whole censorship thing just really was out of control and I thought, these are not the things that you should be censoring, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, the one that they did censor, which I kind of can see for like little kids, if Next Generation, which I think which was run at the children's hour at the same time, like Doctor mm. Who would be, was, be uh, yeah, when um, uh, the guy's head exploded in, yeah, the phasered uh, it was more than his Conspiracy. head. Yes, everything. <laughs> Way more than his head. Like there was a cavity where his chest used to be, and you could see his ribs and stuff. It was because there uh, used to be like because there's just bugs in there. I mean, it's just blah. Just nasty. Just nasty. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very gross. We got a lot of people coming in the chat room, just like suddenly, oh wow. <laughs> uh, all right, am I trilled to be here? Yes. Yes, McCready, 13. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> there. Are you happy now? And apparently Christopher Littlefield says Brandy loves cat's paw. Uh, no, I think he <laughs> loves cat's paw. <laughs> He's making fun of me. <laughs> oh, no, I have, I have a feeling. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that that. Uh, so there was a like I said, there's a history of of scary Star Trek stuff, and you it's not something you immediately think of as of horror and frightening, which is funny because you have the people who are detractors of modern Trek say that it's too graphic, it's too frightening. But there's some stuff that's pretty graphic in the old series. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes hiding it is actually scarier. Like right. we had, you know, when you're when we talk about your episode, there's a lot of buildup and not showing kind of like jaws basically uh mm -hmm. not showing the monster until or alien until it it is you know time so it yeah, leaves a lot of tension your imagination can think of something way worse than whatever they're going to put on the screen except in the case of the xenomorph that messed me up really bad because i saw that movie yeah. too young <laughs> It's terrifying. I, think I was, yeah, I was 11 or something like that. That was still too young because yeah. I, I think it was seven when it came out or something like that. But uh, it was 79, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, so it would have been nine. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny because in my brain, a lot of times it's like if it's science fiction, for some reason, I don't get scared. I'm like, oh, it's sci fi. I'm never mm -hmm. I'm never going to run into, you know, a, an alien on a spaceship because it's just not going to happen where 
something like Halloween, yeah, I, I'm more likely to run into a, a serial killer in real life. Mm -hmm. And that was all filmed around where I live. So it's it's also very weird when you're like, I didn't recognize that creepy house. Fun. <laughs> yeah. The hospital from Halloween 2 is up the street. It's oh, like a wow. Center. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Oh, never say never, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> that is Who true. Knows? I, might, I might run into an alien on a spaceship. You never know. It's true. As soon as there are spaceships that we all can just go on at a whim, uh, <laughs> I guess that's a possibility then. Yep. I'm just scared uh, of so, going into space itself. So just like, yeah, I, I as much technology. as I would love to be an astronaut and that was sort of like as a kid uh, I wanted to do, I think the fact that I didn't have the math or the health for it probably is a good thing because I feel terrified when we take off in an airplane. I'm just like, wait a second. What was I thinking? <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> I like the concept of it more than the actual. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I've I've heard a few stand up comedians give their take on that, which I am not going to repeat here. But yeah, that's it's just like defying the laws of gravity. Yeah, sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. <laughs> I don't break laws. I'm sorry. Mm. Or defy them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, some of them. You never know. It just it depends on whether the law is just. But when yes. it comes to the laws of physics, <laughs> there's really. an episode where where Lisa makes a perpetual motion machine, and and oh, wow. uh, I think that yeah, and Homer's like, we obey the laws of physics in this household. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, her her uh, machine that could have given endless uh, free energy got got put down by by Homer. It never never saw it went to market. Hmm. That's too bad. Poor Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we dive into our episodes? Let's do it. All right. Uh, we are going to go chronologically through Star Trek. So we're going to start with your episode. Yep. Devil in the, the Devil in the Dark. I keep saying Devil in the Dark, but there's a the in front of it. There is a the. So, yeah, that's this is an episode oh, that was super formative in my childhood. I was going to say, like, let's let's hear about how this affected you, because I know that you were telling me. <laughs> some uh <laughs> the setup is pretty good mm -hmm. yeah uh we will always watch trek there was never a time before trek for me so <laughs> and there were times there's where no i would before get, time yeah there's no before time there's just it's there's always been trek and i would sometimes get scared at certain things and my dad would let me sit on his lap because my dad was you know a protector of course that's i think that's how most children see their dads but not all but most and my dad was the strong silent type but he you know when he was around his family he was a very different person he was just the best i miss him and so yeah. this is one of those episodes where the opening scene i'm just like daddy he's just like come on come on so I get up on, I get up on my dad, and it's How a very good thing. I uh, I am not entirely sure, simply because again there was no right. time before Trek. <laughs> so I'm gonna guess I was probably about four or five. Okay, so that fits. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I, uh, it, it's formative for two reasons. First, it kind of introduced me to horror because this thing <laughs> is filmed like a horror movie. Yeah. It truly is filmed like a horror movie, it, especially how it starts with the music. Even mm -hmm. the music is, is like horror movie music. So just sets the mood. And I was, you know, I'm a very, emotional person and there you go setting the mood yeah, setting i'm a very yeah. emotional person and i feel everything so i was just already affected by that but i think uh as and it, and you know nothing again is scarier than what you can't fully see so the way that yeah. this starts out really well, and you've got this cave and there's like these dark pockets and it yeah. you know if you can suspend your disbelief as an adult of like okay it's a paper mache cave uh mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but uh as a child it or even you know just suspending disbelief it is really just like the idea of being caught in a cave underground i it feels sort of claustrophobic when you watch the episode because you mm -hmm. know you're underground you see that city like their their mining plant and it's underground it's like under a cave a larger cave so it mm -hmm. doesn't feel like there's a place that you can escape to there's no surface to run to no no so. there's not it's it's terrifying yeah <laughs> and uh you know skipping ahead I want to just talk about why this one sticks in my mind so much besides the obvious reasons of being scared. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the scene where Spock connects with the Horta, which we don't really have the term mind meld yet. Right. It doesn't show up until later in the series. I called it mind meld. But, but it, that's that's what it is. That's what yeah. it is. And and it starts before he even touches it. And I was just really upset by that. I was like really upset. I was like, is it's hurting Spock, and then that you know he he disconnects, and I'm like, oh good, that's over, I'm fine. But no, he has to go mm -hmm. back in and touch it, and then I'm just like, my little brain is going, why are you hurting my Spock? And it was just kind of a revelation, like, oh yeah, it feels like this is the first time we've seen him <laughs> showing that much pain and and just yeah. emotion on his face. Mm -hmm. And and so I just you know my little brain is like, oh. Oh, this is my favorite character. Yeah. So, and this this is all going on in my head. This is not anything I ever vocalized at the time because I did have a lot of internal stuff that I mm -hmm. never actually talked about because, you know, people would just think I was weird. But it's it's the moment that I realized as a very it's young a safe child safe space for being weird. Favorite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in fact, my good friend Christopher D. Littlefield, who is in the chat, yes, he actually he gave mentioned... me this. Oh, oh my gosh, that's great! I and love for it. those this... of you who can't see. It is a uh, what is the brand of those? Those are the I can't remember. The box is over there somewhere, but I yeah. Don't so remember. they're they're basically it's a little uh, ceramic it's, scene. It's like Diamond Select toys. I want to say. But, yeah, that sounds uh, right. But yeah, this actually, Spock comes with different uh, feet, different legs, and different hands, and a different tricorder. Um, he has a tricorder that is open and a tricorder that is closed. Oh, you can swap them out, the pieces. You can swap them out. So he, nice. you can do the whole scene where he's scanning, and then you can do the scene where he's, you know, melding. And so, okay. and I treasure this so much because it, is tied up in so many things that were formative for me about Star Trek and just life in general. So it's essentially um, a nice little reminder of that, that moment every time you look at it on the shelf. Mm -hmm. 
And it's a moment, of course, that scared me at the time. But as an adult, <laughs> I mean, even as an adult, I'm just like, this, yeah. this is hard. But uh, it's just, it just, it kind of showed me, hey, this is the kind of person you are. You, you're kind of like Spock in this moment. You can feel things that other people are feeling. So something I figured out about myself very young. Uh, what did your, when you're, when it was over, what happened with your dad? Did he, did you guys talk about it or? And we, we didn't really talk about it. He just let me sit there for as long as I needed to. And cause I don't remember what came off after it. It didn't matter because it was back in syndication on those days, you know? And okay, yeah. I, I just, he just let me sit there as long as I needed to. And, uh, then when I was ready, he, he's like, are you okay now? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay for now. <laughs> just got down, went about my business right. like any other four-year-old would, because I wasn't, I, I didn't know how to, I didn't have the language necessary at that age to communicate what I had just experienced. So I just yeah. kept it to myself, basically. I was about the same age when uh, I sat on my grandfather's lap um, and, and watched Star Trek. And mm -hmm. I think the way that he kind of quelled my fears would be to find something like just not logical or something in it, which I think is now where I get my mystery science theater snarky <laughs> brain from. I'm just like, well, you know, I build airplanes and we already have technology that's more, you know, impressive than that. So just, just don't, don't even worry about that because this could never happen, you know, kind of a thing. Mm. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. Uh, I think he, he just, he, he did not want fear to be around him and just sort of, he would negate it. Like, nope, it's it's not there, so uh, I did not learn how to face my fears from my grandfather, but I did learn how to deflect them. Yeah, so. and see, that's the thing. I think that I was allowed to deal with fear, and yeah. so that was. And I don't know whether my parents did that purposely or whether they just didn't understand what was going on. But I think it worked out for the best. It sounds like it did. Way. It did work out for the best because I don't necessarily avoid things that scare me i try to conquer them if i can there are certain things that are associated with heavy trauma that i can't quite get past right. and and just be okay I think everybody with it. has that yeah everybody does but as far as like i'm a huge horror fan huge and i just when something actually scares me now i'm really impressed by that yeah I, I was terrified of horror growing up. I'm just like, I would never uh, at one or two movies. I'm like, Nope, I'm done. Um, and now as an adult, like, especially when I started, you know, we were doing this brimstone. I was like, okay, I need to learn about horror so I can understand how the show is constructed. And, and I'm just like, Oh, that scared me as a kid. Like, I don't understand what, you know, and some of it would just be, but it was the psychological stuff that was much more traumatizing. And just as an adult, I still, if you watch something where, it just something insidiously seeps into your life that it has nothing to do with like supernatural, but just, you know, horror on a human scale. That's when it's just like, Ugh. Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just too real because there's so many things in real life that feel horrific that, uh, yeah. 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 That's why I'm like, fine, just give me a, an unkillable monster. That whatever, you know, yeah, that, sure. that to me doesn't really bother me that much anymore. <laughs> no, no, it really does. You still get jump scares, but I think that's just a natural biological reaction. 
Mm, jump scares are not scares. Jump scares are startling someone. That is not scary. You're True. startling yes. someone. Thank you. That's a good, so, good differentiation. Yeah. So calling yeah. it a I jump feel it's scare. like a cheap trick. It is a cheap trick, and I hate it. It really <laughs> annoys me. I hate it. Or the um, double jump scare. And like neither of them are, are actual scares. Like a cat jumps, and then something else happens, and a door slams. And you're like, oh, come on yeah it's not that's not scary it just yeah. startles you and that doesn't really have anything to do with fear so i, think I will the only th oh sorry no go ahead no i say i think the only thing that for me that's uh, an exception to that is with somebody's driving and you get the t-bone where the car mm. just comes fly that feels scary and startling at the same time there's just this idea of just suddenly out of nowhere this blindsided vehicle just like smacks you just that that terrifies me Yep. No, I totally get that. I don't consider that a jump scare, though. That's that doesn't that's not the same thing. A, a jump scare is you hear it suddenly. It's very, very quiet. Suddenly, ah! Yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's a jump scare, but not it's not a scary thing. And this uh, episode did not utilize any of those, I don't think. <laughs> and it would not be an Infinite Trek episode without frozen brandy. Uh, so I will just <laughs> keep talking as. As Brandy is, uh, her internet connection reestablishes itself. Uh, but I, I, from what I was saying, I don't believe that in Devil in the Dark, there's really any sort of jump scares. It kind of telegraphs that that's coming. Yeah, they're, 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 they didn't prey on you in that regard. They yeah. used musical cues and mm -hmm. moody lighting and sound effects and all that sort of stuff. Also, weird sound effect when Spock's doing the mind melt. It's like, what's this? Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is there machinery in the background having some issues or something like that? I, I will say this. Uh, Dave watched it. Dave, my husband, watched it with mm -hmm. me this morning, and it was his first time seeing this episode. He had only oh, okay. ever heard me talk about it. And really? he actually he said, wow, that was a really solid episode. He actually had a good time with that. So yeah, Gene Roddenberry called it one of his favorite Star Trek episodes. Oh, one of my favorites by far. He, uh, definitely. Let's see. I have a quote from him, actually. Oh, if I can pull it up now, now you, you disappeared, but now my notes have disappeared. No, it's somebody it's, it's horror. It's horror online. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, so he's, he said that this was one of his favorite episodes and just keep talking and I will find it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, huh. I, uh, I do enjoy this episode a lot and I like the way it was filmed. I like people getting angry because they're afraid because that's, you know, that's a, a natural response. You either shut down right. completely or you start to get angry. And so that was a very realistic response to what was going on. Whereas yeah. Spock is just kind of like, here's a mystery and I'm going to figure it out. I like how so. he was like, it would be a crime against science if mm -hmm. we destroyed the Horda, which is yeah. funny because it's, it's very, you know, religious based in some ways you know i always say that people will say that atheists actually just their religion is science like that really felt like that moment like crime against god to kill this horde up you just fill that in so well yeah and he, when he's later always they, very science yeah. is his thing the, it is his thing he likes science yeah. i I, uh, I found the quote that. Oh, uh, the horde of became suddenly understandable. It wasn't just a monster. It was someone. And the audience put themselves in the place of the horde, identify 
and feeling with it. Uh, the drama is about uh, that's what the drama is about. And that's the importance, too. If you learn to feel for the Horda, you may be able to understand and feel for other humans of different colors, ways and beliefs. Agree. So wow. that, that, that feels like a quintessential Star Trek moment. Mm -hmm. It really, really uh, is. The no kill eye. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That but, was just that broke my heart when I was a yeah. kid. <laughs> just, Which is also a punk band. No mm -hmm. kill eye. Hmm. I wonder where they got that name. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> They're probably <laughs> Star Trek fans. <laughs> oh, you no. Know, everything is Star Trek in that. I've, I looked up some photos and it was just like, wow. Mm -hmm. They had a Mugato on, on drums or something like that. So, yeah. Of course they did. Of course mm -hmm. they did. Yep. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Uh, when you had vanished, I also said this is the first time that uh, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer was, or I'm not a doctor, anything was used. So this mm -hmm. is the, the beginning of that, which is great. So we're still, of the first. yeah, still one of the best of his, I'm a doctor, yes. not a, yeah, <laughs> just, and when he's done in this, this yeah, like this concrete, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't get ahead of yourself, dude. Come on. Yeah. Yep. Oh, just so funny. I love the uh yeah. I and and I guess in one of the books they had an earlier script, so they had only had like five pounds of concrete or something like that. So mm -hmm. the amount that it would have been like, oh, that's a tiny little bit on him. So um yeah, I think they ended up what using 10 pounds, hundred pounds, I don't know, something four hundred. Something like that. I want to <laughs> say like a hundred. I think a hundred. But it was it was basically ten times more than whatever the book said. So mm -hmm. um and this was also uh, when we found out that Star Trek would be renewed for a second season. It was announced at the end of that episode. Fantastic. So there's there's a lot of firsts in this. Uh, well, not first, but I mean, the renewal, the uh, first time. Is it the first time we've seen Spock do a meld-ish thing? No, the first time okay. is in Fear of the Mind. Okay, got it. So, But this but is, is the sort of time. earlier. Yeah. yeah, it's a... This, this is the first time... Thing. Yeah, this is the first time you see him really combining like there's an actual meld going on rather than just using the technique to search someone's mind he is right. expressing what the horta is feeling and thinking so yeah. it's the first time we see that particular uh, process happen uh and this is also uh the episode was created um from just the costume the creator of the costume, uh, Janos, I cannot pronounce his last name, Pro Proska? I uh, think so. Okay. Just basically created the costume, came into Gene L. Kuhn's office and said, hey, look what I made. <laughs> and they're like, that's great. What is it? Just like, I don't know. Write an episode. I'm like, okay. And four days later, this was written. Well, he did a great job. <laughs> it's a great yeah. episode. <laughs> And William Shatner's father passed away while this was happening. And he oh. stayed and finished the the scenes as much as they could. Uh, the When they're in the prospector's office, that was actually supposed to be on the Enterprise. But to minimize the amount of set breakdown, they just put it there so he didn't have they didn't have to add any extra time. And it, he could mm. get off uh, early enough and get on a plane. So for the funeral. Yeah. So, but nobody really knew until after he had taken off that that had happened. So, hmm. yeah, that's hard. Oh, there's there's one really great edit 
in this episode. And it's when uh, Kirk and Spock are talking and they need to get security officers down there. And Kirk just kind of turns away as he's talking and then he turns again and it's a line of security officers. It was just <laughs> such a cool edit. It's like, wow, that's that's really great, especially for the 60s. It was yeah. just so well done. It just kind of melted into one another. I was very that's impressed. Really cool. Yeah. Uh, did we want to talk about also the uniforms? Okay. The, uh, the jumpsuits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <This is> the... <laughs> um, yeah. We have the well, orange shirts, basically. We have mm -hmm. great Halloween yeah. theming. Uh, but there's also Lavender. Yeah. There's a Lavender we... jumpsuit guy and he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Do not like him at all. He is very, no. he's very aggressive with his anger so yeah but the orange makes sense i mean you it's great yeah. for being found if something happens it's very bright mm -hmm. i guess the lavender is as well yeah well see that's the thing it seems to designate a certain level of leadership or department mm. because we've got our main guy in yellow we've got right. all the grunts in orange we've got this guy in lavender but do we ever really know what his job was i mean did he have something mm. to do with the reactor or oh maybe you know, we never really made it clear i don't think it might it's be administration just, or something like that or just like the, sure well he's a very <laughs> very angry guy for maybe that's why he's angry is he's stuck with all the paperwork i don't know that could be i don't know <laughs> aggressive <laughs> it is interesting and that they are very very clean uniforms mm, this, extremely this for being not, mining yeah i say like, this mining does not create any kind of refuse or dirt or dust mm. um the Horda makes that even better because it can actually drill through solid rock just by, I guess it's like an acid or something like that, right? Yeah, it, it's a it's a corrosive, very much yeah. like an acid, which again reminds me of the xenomorph. Mm -hmm. So it, it, my husband was wondering, hmm, maybe Dan O'Bannon got inspired by this I episode. I feel like this probably inspired a lot of, you know, this type of story. Well, and they had the eggs open like, when you mm -hmm. got the... Uh, the Horta eggs, which we have a picture of as well. Um, so that kind of is reminiscent of the, the broken open eggs in Alien. Yeah. And throughout not gross, this, but you know. <laughs> not, no, not, not gross like that. Throughout this episode, you also see just a lot of stuff laying around on the ground in all of these tunnels and stuff you could easily trip over in the dark. It's not very well lit in there. Yeah. And so I was just thinking, this thought just occurred to me, you know, when those baby Hortas hatched, maybe they could just be like little Roombas <laughs> and go through all of those areas and just clean up that stuff that's laying on the ground. <laughs> Uh, I want. I wonder how those eggs actually worked when I looked at them because they like they seem like they're extremely hollow when they break them open. Is it like? Well, that we don't actually ever see one being broken open. We only true. see them after they've been broken open, and I'm assuming open and closed seem to have the same heft. You don't see yeah. somebody struggling to lift one up because they're actually plastic balls that have been painted with <laughs> paint. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But their coffee cups actually had heft, which is something I can't say for modern television and movies. Everybody that has a drink, it doesn't even look mm -hmm. like there's anything in that. You don't act like there's any weight in that. Just put some water in there. Yeah. It breaks the reality <laughs> every time. But in this, no, those cups had stuff in them. Probably whiskey. I was going to say it's probably some alcoholic beverage. It's the 60s. Come on. 
Yeah. Uh, Dave the Mon said OSHA, OSHA violations, left and right. <laughs> <laughs> he said that this morning. <laughs> he didn't say OSHA. He just, he said the thing about it's, it's a future without any regulations. The libertarians yeah. must have won. <laughs> oh. Well, and it's also interesting. This is, you know, they're saying how much money they're going to make, how, how much more profitable yeah. it will be. I'm like, mm, in that future that has no money. Uh, or it did at yeah. this point, maybe still. And maybe between then and TOS, uh, Wrath of Khan. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm assuming the Earth doesn't have money, but they have to have some sort of currency to exchange with other cultures that do. Well, yeah, that's the thing, because the Federation may have a lot of different cultures in it, but they're not all going to be completely free of capitalism. So right. that's why they got to do this stuff. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think is like the Ferengi eventually will will probably join the Federation. Mm, Maybe not. Probably. It's hard to say. I mean, interesting to see the uh, to see Ferengi in um, Discovery season three. Mm, it would be, and see if they finally allow to let their females wear clothing. It would be great if they suddenly they were more like the Federation than other. People. <laughs> that would be a twist, right? Yeah, there's like it all came these from are our the great, great leader Nog. <laughs> in the, in the past, like Nog starts this domino effect of. Oh, yeah, cool. but but Rom was Nagus, so you know. Oh, sorry. That... Not Rom. Um, oh yeah, you, you, yeah, you, that's true. Rom and yeah. Nog both, because Nog, I'm thinking, yeah, Starfleet, you know. Uh, yeah, they would work together on that front. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I can see it. And I don't take the uh, the the um, supposed next season of of Deep Space Nine where nor Nog dies in a random ship explosion i'm like nope that's not canon because it hasn't really actually happened so mm -mm. no we're not gonna we're not gonna hold with that so no yeah <laughs> uh well any any final thoughts on this episode uh i don't know that i have anything more to say other than how much i love it and how yeah. formative it was in my life both trek wise and otherwise so it's I it's watched something with the lights off and that was oh nice very, yeah it was very helpful <laughs> oh God, I forgot to tell you uh so we have a, a stray cat that just sort of lives on our porch that we feed and he, she hangs out and my cat will look out the window at it and I'm watching this and all of a sudden Lexa just whacks the glass with her paw scared the hell out of me. <laughs> startled <laughs> <laughs> yeah, startled, yes. but wow that was just like well timed so mm -hmm. yeah i'm just like yeah. it's outside the window <laughs> <laughs> the horda is coming in no. well it, it doesn't even need to open your door man the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh we found our title <laughs> perfect the horda is coming from inside ah <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that's probably a good way to end that one. Yep. Uh, well, the episode that I chose for for my creepiness is like I tried to find something that was a little different, but it was something that's I realized I most always skipped this episode just because it kind of creeped me out. Mm. It's Voyager's Revulsion. Mm -hmm. This is an episode where the Voyager gets a distress call from a, a hologram on a ship, uh, an isomorphic projection, as he calls himself, to Jaren. Uh, and 
he's you know i are my crew is dead i need help but before that happens the cold open you basically just see a bloodied guy being pulled down the bulkhead and drug away so mm. all the people who say modern trek is is uh you know too gross and it's like this is pretty shocking for you know 90s or, or early 2000s uh star trek so it's it's really bloody and, and i think the red is probably a little brighter than it would normally be just probably for yeah. standards and practices but it's mm -hmm. still pretty shocking and, and when he said you know oh, somebody something happened to my crew and they're dead i'm like no you know immediately i'm like you did this it's it's pretty clear and he's very he's a, he's an unstable hologram but also <laughs> mentally unstable so and what surprised me about this episode is there isn't as much of the scary element as I thought. There is a lot of B plot. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. But this is, we get a lot of what kind of becomes set up for the rest of Voyager in this episode. We have, uh, after the cold open, we go to the, um, the not ready room, what am I saying? Uh, the, uh, the canteen. <laughs> what did they call their... The mess hall. That's the word. Mess hall. Yeah, that's it. Oh. Canteen works too. Yeah. It's a more British way of saying it. One day I will get enough sleep on Friday night. So on Saturday I can actually remember words. I'm uh, going to hold you to that. Uh huh. <laughs> Hopefully after Tuesday I'll sleep better. We'll see. Mm -hmm. So, uh, on, so in the, they're in the mess hall. They are telling the story about Tuvok and basically shaming him. Uh, and it turns out, that, yeah, it's, it's Tom and, and Harry. And it turns out that he's uh, being promoted to lieutenant commander, mm -hmm. commander, lieutenant commander. Lieutenant commander. Yeah, because they they continue to call him lieutenant quite a bit. Uh, and he's basically says, you know, if I had known that ritual uh, shaming was uh, part of this process, I would not. I would have re re renounced the uh, the promotion. Same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we learned that, and then we we have Janeway talking with Neelix about his first. Uh, ambassador gig mm -hmm. uh we have tom and balana sneaking off and making out which is also new for them they just said i love you like an episode ago no she said it she did it he yes, didn't sorry. he, he didn't, didn't yet no uh and they were in <laughs> they were saying it's like well maybe it was just because we were dying you know like the, they were they were in space their oxygen was running out and she's just like nope but i'll take no, it back I meant that. yeah yeah, I, I meant that, but you know, you I don't expect you to, to reciprocate and she yeah, gets really awkward. <laughs> yeah. And then of course the doctor walks by because of course he does. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. And this is also where Harry talks with uh Chicote and they are building astrometrics. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that we end up seeing. Oh, and the doctor just got his mobile emitter half of last season ago so they're still worried about sending him away with that because they don't know what'll happen uh yeah. so yeah so we have a lot of stuff that eventually will be used later which is kind of cool uh the one plot line that we don't have to go into detail which kind of takes way too much time is harry and seven working on astrometrics and <laughs> harry of course is in love with seven of nine because he's in love with everything that's just completely wrong for him and, and it's seven, not even it's not even love. <clears throat> no, excuse me. Infatuation. Yeah, it's infatuation more than anything else. And again, it's just a lot of the stuff that's just for the male gaze and the male ego and all of that crap. And it just this doesn't the last interest time me. She wears her cat suit. Yeah, it's just not. It's not interesting to me at all. No. Um, 
there's some funny bits about her Borg perfectionism that isn't quite perfect, perfect right now, which I thought was kind of cool where she misaligned something by five microns and that kind of just like, Oh no, what, what is wrong with me? You know? So I do like that her reflection on her humanity reasserting itself was kind of interesting. But then when she starts to do the whole thing about like, Oh, well maybe Harry wants to copulate and let's just, you know, Let's do this. I'll, I'll explore human sexuality. That all seems to come way faster than it should have. And she seems like she's toying with him because mm -hmm. either it's Jerry still finding that character and not getting her sort of a level of detachment into it yet. But she seems like she's about ready to laugh or smile every five seconds. And she's like, hmm, okay. Well, sure. that could be direction as well. Yes, that's true. I do not remember who directed this episode. I don't either. So, uh, but anyway, so those are sort of that's what's happening on the ship. But what happens with the Dejeron, the hologram, uh, Balana and the doctor go over to try to help him. And there's really good rapport back and forth between Balana and the doctor, especially when it comes to, to uh, Tom. <laughs> just the whole, you know, every time he mentions Tom and she's just like, that is none of your business. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe you need a tranquilizer. And she has this great look like, I can't, it's just like, I wish I had a screenshot of it. I should put that up. <laughs> the look on her face is just like, <clears throat> if I wasn't, uh, you know, <laughs> so, so. I'm going to turn off your mobile emitter right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad you're not a regular hologram like you were before. We just mute you, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So they head over and they're wandering through the ship and trying to figure out what went wrong. And you see Dejeron materialize and he has a hammer. It's this creepy, like, uh, just sort of ball peen future thing. But you could tell that this is something he has used on the rest of the crew. Even though you don't see any blood on it, which I'm sure is also for standards and practices. Well, that's the thing is, though, I I don't think it would be bloody because of his meticulousness. Oh, you're right. Yes. So he would have absolutely the, cleaned it. Yeah. Where revulsion comes from is essentially the. Um, uh, just his just horrible well, revulsion. Like I'm trying to think of a different word. No, uh, that's with, the word. With organics. Mm hmm. And there's a lot of really cool homages to Psycho in this. Because yes. he is, he, he goes off and he starts to have a conversation and then it just ramps up and it just gets more and more. He just talks about how you gnash up your food and it falls into this pit of acid and you don't, it's so gross that you don't even want to think about it. And you're just sort of, and, but that is really similar to a conversation in Psycho that started mm. out very much the same way with he he brings food to Balana, you know, like, oh, you're an organic, you need to eat and scared the hell out of her. Uh, mm. And then, you know, gives her the food. And then we go into this conversation about how gross it is. And he's the superior life form because he just uses energy, which is funny. It's like, well, yeah, I could turn the energy off and you're gone. Like, what? who's superior there? You know, <laughs> it's like, if I don't have food, I'm OK for a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't um, cease to be immediately. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so I, it just was really interesting that they took that, that parallel and I'm trying to like bring up a picture here. We have, um, we have him just going at her. Well, first, first we started out, we, he talks about her Balana eating and nibbling like a fish. 
in mm. Psycho, it was eating like a bird. So we have these nice little little parallels. And the scenes were very similar, like shot for four three. So they had to kind of compress some things. You didn't get the nice wide shot. Uh, and it seemed like it was flipped. Like it's just like if you were standing the other side of Marion and Norman, it was it would get this view. But they start out with the they come up to Bellana and or Marion in either one of those, and the viewpoint is higher. So you're looking down on her, and it definitely puts her in that, mm. you know, uh, at a disadvantage. And and visually, your brain is already like, okay, he's and he's not taller than she is, but it it really plays up on that. Yeah, it's it's an emphasizing his superiority. Yeah, and her weakness. Yeah, which is funny because I totally would take Bellana over Marion and getting like the clearly like Marion would be uh yeah she gets killed in the shower Bellana would be like nope I'm grabbing that knife is <laughs> that like, mm -hmm. oh oh you thought you were gonna kill me oh hell uh -huh. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a sonic shower scene at least <laughs> I I am grateful for that <laughs> although yeah. if they had one I would have laughed my butt off yeah, which is probably not the atmosphere they were trying to set. So when I first saw this, I did not. I don't think I had seen Psycho at least all the way through. I it was one of those like I watch it with my eyes closed kind of a thing. Yeah, was, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I don't believe I would have put together two and two together and like, oh, this is an homage to that scene. But now when I went back and watched it a couple of weeks ago, I'm just like, oh, okay, I recognize this. Yep. So yeah, but I think that's what scared me the most in this is that it's just you know it's coming and it's it just builds and you know Bellana's not going to die because it's 1990s star trek mm -hmm. um but it's still scary and if this was done today i actually would be worried that she might have been killed mm -hmm. um and he he at one point grabs her when he's she's trying to turn off his matrix and puts his hand through her into like her <laughs> chest cavity yeah, which we've seen in all sorts of sci-fi and horror film tropes. And it's just like, that's just terrifying. Yeah, and The Flash. Seen that. In and the, the Flash, Flash. yes. That's, that was kind of the first thing I thought. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I always wonder, well, how do they, when it comes out, has not caused any permanent damage? I know, right? You would yeah. think that it would have caused some permanent damage. Yeah. But. I don't know if it's if it's I guess it's just depending on how quickly it's vibrating, because yeah. if it's vibrating fast enough that it can pass through matter, it's not going to do any damage unless you let it. So unless you change the vibration, that's my logic answer. Yeah. Or something that's completely not possible at this time. Sure. <laughs> and uh, Dejerin also has a holographic fish, which is. It was it really fun. I thought it was like it's a great yeah. canary in the coal mine, or like you know that's a bad analogy, but uh, it's the fish in the goldfish bowl. Uh, mm. He has a pet, basically. You know, he it, there was also, and this is maybe me just connecting two things that aren't connected. When he's talking about how he really hated his crewmates because he had to work in the uh, basically the engine room and didn't get to leave there. And he was talking about all of their things. And then he talks about their carnal, you know, desires. And then he immediately switches to, they took advantage of me. And my brain is like, uh, are you implying what it sounds like you might be implying? Or am I just like, yeah. And that's why I was just like, 
you feel bad for him at the same time you don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like it means what you think it means. Mm-hmm. But because of the way it was done, you know, that they had to be very loose with their implication. Yeah. As, c- considering that time nowadays, yeah. they would just spell it out. But yeah. So Ooh. I just thought, ooh, he's he's been. You can understand his mental state. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, doesn't excuse him killing his entire ship. Mm-mm. But uh, and that's what's also really interesting. We get uh, he tells Bolana that the deck below you can't you can't go to lower decks. Uh, you can't go below. <laughs> Sorry, Bolana. Stay away from stay away from Boimler. Uh, <laughs> well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, uh, the lower decks is flooded with radiation. It will kill anything organic. And after she gets like the whole story about how she's gross and horrible human, she um, scans and finds out that there is no radiation there. So talks to the doctor. And this is where I it totally frustrated me as a viewer. And it did again when I watch it. She's not clear about how disturbing and off this guy is mm. when she tells it to the doctor doctor well yeah i mean kind of humans are kind of gross like that but you're like no you're not getting it he's psychotic you know there's there's a difference between like i'm expressing my viewpoint about humans and organics and what happened there so well, I, feel I, like- I yeah i get that I, I understand that i feel like it may be because if she were speaking with another organic life form she mm-hmm. may have been less careful, yeah. but because she was speaking with the doctor who is very much in favor of holographic life uh, and sentience, okay. she kind of has to be more careful. That's how I read I it. See that? Yeah. yeah. That's just me. That's just yeah. how I took it. So no, but I, I totally I, understand why you would take it that way and be frustrated. Absolutely. It just felt like it was the horror trope of the don't go up the stairs. It's not exactly that, but, you know, just mm. kind of be a little bit more explicit and maybe this won't happen. Of course, then there wouldn't be a story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so she goes True. down to this lower deck where she can access his matrix, basically. And I think these are pieces of Deep Space Nine. Mm. Like the 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 way the angles are and some of the doors, the curves, it just feels like part of the station that's been kind of reorganized into like a cube kind of yeah well waste not what not yeah (laughs) no and it it works really well because the way it's been kind of cobbled together feels it makes the it feel like it's more of a maze because i when he she gets chased i have no idea what the layout is so it's hard to tell is she okay or not because she's like looks Mm. like she's hiding behind a pillar and he's just like oh okay you know (laughs) like wait wait can't you just walk around the corner but he's playing with her at that point yeah yeah. But so she, in- she goes down and she opens up the computer in the matrix and she turns on something which turns lights on. And when she does, there's like these glass panels and behind the glass panels are the dead crew people. Oh. Various levels of like hanging and yeah, it is. That's pretty terrifying. It is. Like it really is. Coma and uh, or anything where you you in a horror movie where you just suddenly see a body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, all of them. <laughs> all, all of all of them. So so many, yeah. so many dead people. Yeah, they're, and I love because you're feeling the dread before she is 
seeing what's happening. And so it's building and building and building for the viewer. I think we even and see it before just, she does, right? Oh, we don't. We do because yeah. she's turning the lights on and she's she's not seeing what we're seeing yet. Yeah. And so we're just like, ah. don't turn around. Don't turn yeah. around. <laughs> and don't the same time, we need her to turn around because she needs to figure out what's going on. Yeah. She Well, she was she already had she already knew yeah. he was psychotic, but I don't think she realized exactly how psychotic until she gets to see the bodies. Yeah. And so yeah. he attacked her and she, you know, struggles, they do the thing. And then she turns off the, the emitters and great goes to find the doctor and says, you know, I've got, got this taken care of. Let's just get out of here. So they're getting all their stuff together. And the doctor kind of looks over and you see the fish, the fish that is not real, the fish that is holographic. It's like, uh, are you sure you got all the emitters? I'm like, yes. It's like, I check again. And then you hear a thud. And it's just like, I think what's more frightening than like anything else is that it's just silent. It's just donk. And like on, you know, it's a flesh sound. And mm -hmm. then it's been whacked in the, I'm assuming the back of the head. Because mm -hmm. um, we don't really see anything. But the doctor is then is like, okay, now it's up to me to stop this. And the, the, he throws the hammer at the doctor and the doctor is like, picks it up and throws it back through him. And it's like, we could do this all day mm -hmm. uh, until he remembers that the doctor has a mobile emitter and just whacks the mobile emitter, which shorts the doctor out. And so Bellana is like half conscious. And that point is when, Oh, something that was telegraphed earlier is that if he walks through the uh, the, the electrical cable that's exposed, that will destabilize his matrix. I'm like, ah, that's the Chekhov's gun. Yep. Yeah. And so she basically turns on this big, <laughs> looks like a USB cable kind of. Thing. It does. It does look like a USB cable. Just giant, <laughs> like the whole the, the kind with the wrapped around, you know, like the cloth covering or whatever. So it's oh yeah viable. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then just zaps him and then it's over. So I do like that. We got the two like, uh, it's over. No, it's not really over. And it's over again. The, the horror trope of mm -hmm. that. And it just but the whole thing is just unsettling. And just the the guy does a really great over the top. Ugh, I don't know. It's just hard to explain him. He's he's like Norman Bates plus. Uh, yeah. Well, he's he's got this thing going on where it's like, I'm really okay. There's nothing yeah. wrong with me. I'm meek and I've just been mistreated and now I'm going to kill you. Yeah. You know, but just, he's look, he's doing <laughs> that like just the stuttery, like ugh. Yeah, yeah, it is it's disturbing. Very yeah. Very disturbing. So that was that's why I picked that just because it's like whenever I was like, why am I skipping this episode? And I realized, oh, I'm skipping it because that's just really creepy. And <laughs> yes. I think now that I've watched it, you know, just as a kind of methodical review type of watching, it's not mm -hmm. it doesn't have quite that same power anymore. But you took you took the curse off it. I did take the curse off of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also took, I also realized it's like, oh, I probably skipped it because a lot of that is filler. Like that episode could have been a half hour episode. Yeah. Or it could have been a longer episode with better pacing. Yes. I feel Which like is not to say not that enough. I hate. Yeah. It's not to say that I hate the pacing. It's just that no. I did not care for the other plot. It just. Yes. Just when do we're the in whole the episode plot with the Jaren and Balan and the doctor, it goes really well. Yeah. Yeah. 
the other stuff feels like it's almost out of order or something. It just doesn't belong. No. It doesn't belong. It feels like it does set up a lot of stuff in the future, but it sets it up where you could have done it in about two minutes. It, it's yeah. like getting exposition with visuals. <laughs> like this, like it's not really a story. No, no. Well, the, the thing, thing is, is the, I'm sorry. No. Go ahead. No, okay. I said the whole thing with the with Harry and Seven. Like, if you go back and read his comments from the time, it's just like you don't want to think about about Garrett that way. Just because he's like, oh, I was so upset that we didn't get to make out, and it's like I threw the script against the wall, jokingly. Ha! <laughs> I'm like. Ugh. Like that's okay. Mm, yeah, yeah. There are certain things that these days aren't funny when yeah. you joke about them, and that's one yeah. of those things. Yeah. So, so I feel I, like he I, has grown as a person. He had. Oh, he's absolutely yeah. grown. He is absolutely not that way now. So yeah. it's you know it's it's all good. But it was the '90s, and he was like what 25, 26. So he was just you know he yeah. didn't quite have the maturity yet to understand that that is not okay yeah oh um one thing i forgot to mention about devil in the dark before i forget Ooh. that yes okay. is that uh this was the only episode of the original series that begins without the enterprise or its crew being involved in the teaser so that's another thing that kind of like really brings in that that uh different feeling the the feeling of yeah. something's off also it was the only episode that had no female speaking parts <laughs> yeah sure didn't uh had people <laughs> of color had people of color yep. so there was yep. that because there was there was at least one african-american guy and there was another mm -hmm. guy that looked like he could have been of middle eastern descent or mm -hmm. indian descent and so and i say indian as in india yes because that's what Indians are. They are from India. Sorry, it really bugs me when people call Native Americans Indians. Oh, it just really yes. <laughs> bothers me so much. Like I haven't done I mean, I, I can't remember when it was kind of as a kid, obviously, like I didn't know. But mm -hmm. I think it must have been in the 80s sometimes where it's just like, oh wait, that's not you shouldn't be calling them that. Yeah. I also got really mad at my parents for Oriental rug, which I actually have found out that it's actually okay that, because that's that's correct. They, yeah. And I'm just like, it's not Oriental rug. Don't say Oriental. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. But, but, but. And so I had the well, right idea. I just had the wrong information. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. Oriental is for objects. Asian is for people. There you go. That's a good, good shorthand. Uh, <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> I know weird stuff, guys. I just do. <laughs> so yeah, that um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, but the uh, the original the idea of African American, and it just that was really cool. Um, mm -hmm. I also liked that uh, we had representative of uh, like maybe Jersey or Brooklyn or something. Brooklyn, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely <laughs> Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn mine. Yeah, yeah. They pointed that out. Yeah, or Bronx, you know. Or Bronx, it's, yeah. Like, what is this the Bronx accent? mine? Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that survived well into the twenty third century. You know it. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. I guess, that makes sense. I guess it's sort of you know the hardworking, you know, physical labor type just sort of evolved, and they, they maybe they got their own colony, like mm -hmm. the, the Irish colony. They tend to take 
parts of of the the world and just plop them down onto a planet. So sure, why not? We got the the Brooklyn Bronx uh, contingency. Mm-hmm. Terra yeah, Terra Twelve or something like that. Whatever <laughs> the, the part of the Terra program. I like it. I like it. It's all good. Uh, so actually, we did ask some of our viewers out there what they thought was their scariest uh, bits of Star Trek. And I'm going to put this up here. Uh, so if anybody in the chat room wants to share theirs, I should put this up earlier. Uh, we have some some to read here. We got uh, Will Smith. Will Smith. <laughs> Bill Smith. Will Smith. They actually want <laughs> Uh, his favorite scary moment is when Bones runs into the dead people in Wrath of Khan. He said, as a mm. kid, he jump out of his seat. Mm -hmm. I get that. Uh, Peter says, Beverly's scene in Night Terrors always creeps me out when the corpses decide to sit up on their own. Yes. 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 That. I think what scares me in that scene more is her hair. <laughs> <laughs> that wig is not great. It's not. Most of them were not for her. No. I think it was just her wig combined with like, it feels like they didn't do anything to her face. Mm -hmm. Or they did or something. It's just like she looked younger when she wasn't made to look quote unquote younger. It just, it was very weird. Yeah. Um, also, Schism's frame in mind go high on the list of creepy as an episode as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we've got uh, <laughs> Rick says uh, a Borg drill bit in Picard's eyeball. That's scary and gross. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it makes me hurt. Yeah, like physically hurt. <laughs> this is another one I would I thought of actually bringing up. Uh, Sarah Garber said it's a polarizing episode, but the thaw terrified me as a child. That was the episode in Voyager where they are stuck inside of a virtual reality uh, system and with fear, just basically the the fear itself. Hmm who was uh, personified as by um, one of Lenny or Squiggy from Laverne Shirley. I can't remember his name. Michael McKean. Uh, Michael McKean. Thank you. Yeah. He You're did welcome. a great job. It's just like, he's a psychotic kind of the Joker type of character. And Janeway, of course, defeats fear. Mm -hmm. by Not giving it agency, essentially. I haven't seen that episode in a really long time. So it's, you know, I'm rewatching Voyager now. So don't worry, I'll get to it. <laughs> Christopher D. Littlefield says, I like when de-evolved Worf spits in Beverly's face. That's some top-notch top acting there. LOL. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Psycho Killer Garrick was pretty scary. Dave the Mod. Oh, yeah. Yep. That was, um, yeah. It was hard. That one was hard for me. Ooh, yeah. The board oh, yes. popping out of in Picard. first contact. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. That's a jump scare, but also gross at the same time and scary. Like you kind of see it coming because you see something moving under the skin before yeah. it pops out, but you don't know what it's going to be. I mean, you think you know. I mean, yeah. I think we all thought it was going to be a Borg implant, but just seeing it is just no. Uh, Jonathan Hamilton had a really good one. Uh, when I was eight years old, Jordy on the holodeck in Identity Crisis, trying to find the source of the mysterious shadow, freaked me out. When the computer comes up with the vaguely humanoid lump, it's like, I guess it's just this, as the source of the shadow. It was completely terrifying to me. Even at 35, it creeps me out a bit. Same. Yeah. Same. I jokingly and said it looks like one of those... Uh, the thumbnails for a YouTube video where the red circle is around the, the black lump and it's like, you know, top 10 shadow people caught on camera. You know? mm -hmm. 
but it is it is creepy um especially because you don't know what it is they don't know what it is and it's just this it's actually scarier as the lump than it was with the, the you know glowing tron slash biotron or whatever i don't know the uniform. no that's a good a cool description fact. for it that's a good description for it i hadn't thought of it in those terms but you are correct uh, oh, the motion picture guy getting uh, oh caught in the transporter was a particularly disturbing scene. Yes. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. mm. I was it thinking just, about the, that last screams. night. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that last night, actually. I don't know why I was thinking about that last night, but I was. I was changing my clothes into my jammies and I just started thinking. I don't know why. I just started thinking about. Oh, I was. I remember. I was thinking about the difference between commissioned officers and non commissioned officers, et cetera. Oh. And thinking about how Rand was a yeoman and now she's a transporter chief sort of person. And then just. Oh, and yeah. then that I was thinking about that and then thinking about that. The, the sound is the worst part of it. The sound yeah. is. It will, it will, it will stick yeah. in your mind forever yeah. and ever and ever. So I feel yeah. like they just sort of if somebody needed to be a transporter officer and they wanted somebody they didn't want to get an extra. It's like, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> it's like, I'm a nurse. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's not a nurse, obviously. But uh, yeah. and this, of course, we can't leave out uh, in Wrath of this is uh, Christina uh, in Wrath of Khan. When the slug slash eel thing went into Chekhov's ear, it was terrifying for something. I was terrified for years that something would crawl in my ear. Mm. Yep. Same. Actually, yeah. when the first time that we watched that movie as a family, it was actually on video cassette. And I had I left the room. I left the room when that happened. I'm like, nope, nope, no, thank you. It was a Saturday night. I remember it was a Saturday night because I went in my parents' bedroom where there was a small TV. And I'm like, okay, what's on right now? Love Boat. Okay, let's watch Love Boat. And then we'll watch Fantasy Island, which is kind of funny because, you know, Fantasy Island. Cardo Montalban. And then Fantasy Island wasn't on after Love Boat was over. I was so upset. And so I went back in the other room and it's the scene where the thing is coming out of Chekhov's ear. (laughs) Not a joke. That actually happened. I had terrible timing. (laughs) Oh, before this is a good one. Uh, I want to make sure. Uh, Homeless McCoy says Riker in that asylum. Yeah, where you do not know if you are crazy or not and what is going on. That is, that's really disturbing. Yeah. There's, they actually, I can't, Dave will remember, there is a musical group that sampled that I might be surrounded by insan- by insanity, but I'm not insane, that Riker says. Oh. And then kind of did a whole song around that. <laughs> about wow. Insan- about insanity. That's really cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Dave will remember nice. who it is. So. But, yeah, uh, I want to uh, mention that coming up at two o'clock right here on the network, we have the improvised generation on screen doing their mirror universe episode. So that is our continuing the Star Trek creepy Halloweeny sort of feel. So two o'clock uh, about an hour from now, uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of wraps it up for us. I think we uh, we've, we've covered the scary. Yeah. Dave actually popped oh. in with it's a band called ulcer. Ah, see, I knew he'd know because oh, it was his music. <laughs> there we go. Oh, nope. Oh, yeah. Voxala is also a, a good one. Yes. Yes. Also, a New Mexico EBM band. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank I'll you, sweetie. 
Uh, did I say New Ulcer? I think I said New Ulcer. A Mexico. No, you, no, you said New Mexico. <laughs> okay. She <laughs> said New Mexico. Right. Uh, okay. So, well, next week we're going to be, well, actually this week, we're going, we are still going to cover uh, Far From Home. Mm-hmm. No, not Far From Home. Is it Far From Home? No. It people of Earth. People of Earth. People of Earth. Uh, we're going to be recording that probably Monday. Uh, so we should be back on our regular schedule. So yay. Uh, that is a really uh, powerful episode. And this is one where I cried. So mm, I, I cry a lot. I'm sure you did as well. Yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. we're we're either sharing or crying or taking turns. Depending on what the scene is. <laughs> it's very, uh, it it talks to 2020. Let's put it that way. It's, it's so very, much. yeah. So uncannily prescient. Yeah. The fact that it finished four days before the uh, the lockdown is crazy. Like this was filmed in August. I think the one that we uh, are reviewing. So yeah. Well before that was a thing. Mm-hmm. So tune in for that. And like I said, stay tuned for more Halloween programming on uh, the network. We have a movie tonight, I believe, that we're, we're screening. Uh, so yeah, tune in. And thank you so much and live long and prosper. Infinite Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Coconut!